You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. The Bills are moving on in the playoffs, but it was probably much closer than it should have been as they held on to beat the Dolphins 34-31, and now it's my Buffalo Blues. Good victory Monday, Bills Mafia. What a aneurysm-inducing game that was. But the Bills walked away with a win. They're going on to the next round. They're hosting the game against the Bengals. And that's the game that I wanted. I wanted that game last year. I wanted that game this year during the regular season. And I feel like it's kind of uh, cosmic for it to have come full circle to having to play this game against the Bengals to see who gets to go to the AFC title game. I think that the winner of that game is the best team in the AFC. So it makes sense. Uh, Logically, spiritually, like I said, cosmically, the universe was going to make this game happen one way or the other, and here we are. And here I am, doing shows, as long as the Bills keep playing, I'll be here doing shows. So... I hope I am here well into February so I can wrap up with a Super Bowl win, but we are not going to put the cart in front of the horse because when you disrespect your opponent, you disrespect yourself, and the Dolphins came pretty close. That game was 34-31 after the Bills had a lead of 17 points in the second quarter. They had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. So it is, I hope, a valuable experience uh, for the Bills to be able to face that kind of adversity in a game where they were heavily favored, supposed to win. You know, the media had written off Miami. A lot of the fans had written off Miami for not being able to have either of their first or second string quarterbacks available. And early in the game, it kind of looked that way. And it just felt like it was going to be a matter of time. And then, you know, some bad stuff happened. Miami found the momentum they needed and they made it a game. And we're going to get into that in a moment. I think, I don't know. We'll see if I end up doing this show next year or not. But I may have to change the name because it seems like I'm just the negative Nancy because it's Buffalo Blues, but it was always meant to be double entendre. I had started the idea for this when we were still in the drought years, so yeah, it was the Blues, but the Bills also wear blue uniforms, so it was always meant to have that kind of double meaning. Um, I'm not a negative person for the most part, I'm just realistic, and you know, I like to assess what I see on the field in comparison uh, to previous games, in comparison to other teams. 
and I want to give as much of a realistic take on how I think the team is doing as possible without just falling into fanboy status and saying that their shit don't stink and everything is perfect and I'm also not the kind of person that immediately jumps on one mistake and uses that as an example to justify why, you know, somebody was right for never believing in the team in the first place. Those are like completely opposite ends of the spectrum. I'm in the middle. I'm happy the Bills won and beat the Dolphins. I'm super happy. Uh, did they give me like an anxiety attack during that game? Yeah, they did. And I bet I'm not the only one. <laughs> so I'm trying to just find a good balance, but maybe I'll rename the show and I got to brand it as its own thing anyway. Get it out of the Scheist podcast shadow. Move it to its own thing. And then if I do it next year and the audience for it is still not there, then whatever. I'll stop doing it. I can still be a fan and enjoy it just fine. And I have my friends online and on Twitter and social media now that I've met that are all Bills fans. And I can just have fun with them. I don't have to do this show. Um, but I enjoy doing it because I love the Bills. And I want to see them win. And I want to see them win more for the people in Buffalo than I do for myself. For me, being detached from the community, living in California, it, it's not going to mean the same thing to me. And... I want the Bills to win for those fans who live in the city, who have gone through the drought years, you know, and had that team as part of the community, especially after everything the community has gone through this year alone. Um, I really want the Bills to win it for those fans. For me, you know, yeah, I'll be happy for sure. Um, I'll be ecstatic. I'll probably cry. but. It's not going to have the same impact for me as it will for uh, the people in that city and that city itself. So um, that's really what I'm in it for. But anyway, let's get into the game because it was an interesting one. Uh, it was a game where I think the Bills were favored by like 13 and a half. So, of course, I did not take the Bills to cover um, because I don't trust them to cover anymore. And that's a huge spread in a playoff game. And I think of the games of the last like month of the season, maybe last five, six games, I took them to cover once. And I don't care if they cover because I'm not gambling on it. I just want them to win. And I don't want the game to be close when it doesn't need to be close. That's where I'm coming from. Whether they win by 14, whether they win by three, I don't really care. Whether they win by one, I don't care. I'm not betting on them to cover. So that doesn't matter. I just want them to win. Um, and in this game, they clearly didn't cover. Uh, they hung on to win by three. Uh, and there was moments in the game where they were up 17-0, and then they had a 10-point lead again uh, in the fourth quarter. And it still came down to the placement of the football and a three-point win. But this is a team that they've played twice so far this season. Uh, I think the first game was a two-point game in Miami. The second game in Buffalo was a three-point game. So that kind of told me everything I need to know. Even without uh, Tua out there, it was going to be tough. The Dolphins know how to play the Bills. Um, and even down 17-0, they were still able to do a lot of things that gave the Bills trouble. And one of those things was they sacked Josh Allen seven times. Um, 
like an egregious amount of sacks for a, a team that, you know, I thought had cleaned up a lot of offensive line issues over the last month of the season. Because going back to like week uh, 15, week 14, there was a lot of penalties on the offensive line. Uh, even against uh, Miami, they had a fair amount of penalties along the offensive line. Specifically, Roger Saffold was getting hit with a bunch. Uh, they had some false starts and some procedural penalties take them out of range. And then against Chicago, not too bad. They only had four offensive penalties. Um, then, of course, there was no Week 17 game. And then the Week 18 game, there was only one penalty for 15 yards, I think, uh, on offense. So it looked like they had cleaned up a lot of what I was at least concerned with on the offensive line. And I haven't seen Saffold get hit with a penalty here in the last few weeks, so that's been really promising. They have their full complement of guys back with Dawkins, Saffold, Morris, Bates, and Brown. Um, but if I'm being perfectly honest, it was a bit of a struggle out there. You look at Miami came away with 13 quarterback hits. They had five tackles for loss. They had seven sacks. Um... That's a lot, and as I was looking at kind of late in the game, I want to say it was uh, Phillips who was working over Spencer Brown, uh, and Bradley Chubb came up with a big sack late in the game as well, and I know Dawkins had gotten uh, hurt a little bit earlier in the game as well, um, but seven sacks is a ton. Chubb had one, Elijah Campbell had a half, Christian Wilkins had one, but we all don't like that guy. Uh, Zach Seiler had two. Jerome Baker had one. Eric Rowe had one on a corner blitz. Uh, Jalen Phillips only had a half, but he had two tackles for losses. But yeah, late in the game, he was having a hard time. Um, excuse me, Spencer Brown was having a hard time staying in front of him. So I think it's familiarity to a degree. You know, these guys have played each other already twice going into this game. I think they know the matchups where they can win them, where they can lose them. Uh, both teams know where they have their advantages, and despite all of the sacks, Josh Allen still managed to go 23 of 39 for 352 yards passing uh, and three touchdowns. So you got to take the good along with the bad. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. Um, and going back to last year, as I like kind of tracked data. I've been doing it a little bit more um, robustly over the last five weeks. But as I went through last year, the Bills didn't win a game where they sent in, where they snapped 50 pass plays. I shouldn't say sent in because a lot of plays get turned into no plays on um, penalties. But that's the magic number. And they came close to that in this Dolphins game with 48 pass plays and part of the reason that the Bills struggle in games where they throw the ball that much is because of the sack numbers which were evident in this game against Miami and one of the other keys um, in those losses from last season was the Bills uh, struggling with run defense and that is something that they definitely took care of this time out against Miami. They didn't allow Miami to dictate the pace of the game and they only gave up 42 rushing yards on the whole day. And realistically, Miami's offense didn't 
do much. Um, you know, the Bills' defense played amazing. They did. And when you look at the overall team stats, which I might as well just get into right now while I have it here, um, the Bills had uh, nine more first downs. They were nine of 16 on third down, where Miami was four of 16. The Bills had more total plays. They had about 200 more yards of total offense, more drives, more yards per play. Um, not quite double on passing yardage, but 189 for Miami to 316 for the Bills. Passing efficiency was better for the Bills. Yards per play, or yards per pass, excuse me, were better for the Bills as well. Interceptions were even. Uh, but the Bills did get sacked more. And when you look at rushing, uh, the Bills ran for 107 yards as a team, held Miami to 42. More yards per carry, more total rushing attempts, fewer penalties, more time of possession. Uh, you know, everything. The Bills lost the turnover battle, but they won everything else by a significant margin. So like I said about throwing the baby out with the bathwater, that's not something I want to do here. The Bills' defense played incredibly well, and in moments, the Bills' offense played incredibly well, too. But one of the things that, you know, I've been critical of over the last two years is, uh, like, game management, situational football. Um, and that is something where when you're throwing the ball 50-ish times a game, it's hard to control. And... You know, you look at the first half, and we'll go through the first half, and they threw the ball 23 times, they ran it 11 times. In the second half, they threw it 16 times, ran it 13 times. But there was they had 16 possessions in this game. Um, since I've been tracking this a little bit more robustly, they had, let's see, 13 against the Jets in Week 14. They had 11 against Miami in Week 15. They had 12 against Chicago. And they had only nine against the Patriots last week. Um, and then to have 16 possessions in this game, that's a ton of possessions. And looking at like the drive chart in the first half, they had four scoring drives, three turnovers, and a punt. And then in the second half, they had two scoring drives, four punts, and a turnover. So that's a lot of punting. That's a lot of turnovers. Um, throughout the course of two halves. I think they actually only had three turnovers, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I, I miscalculated. They only had three team turnovers. Two of those were in the first half. Um, but what I'm looking at is average possession time is barely over two minutes. And there were, let's see, one, two, three, four, five different Bills possessions that were less than a minute. There was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven possessions that were less than two minutes. And let's see, how many drives did they have that were over three minutes? That one is three minutes, so we'll say one, two, three. Three possessions that were over three minutes long. Um, and in a playoff game against a team that's playing for their lives too, like, you know, don't give them extra chances. And when you have 16 possessions, the other team also has 16 possessions. And that's the reason this game was close. Uh, because the Bills were up 17-0. And 
then they get into a situation where they throw a pick up 17-3. And this is like a miscommunication between Allen and Brown. Um, so it's not it's not the end of the world uh, when that pick happens because you're up. I think you're going for the knockout punch there, right? Uh you're looking if you can make it 24-3, you can basically make Miami quit, win the game right there. Everything has been going good through the first quarter. So, hey, why not take a shot? That's totally fine. Um, my question is, why would you be throwing the ball 50 yards downfield in that particular situation otherwise? Because the, that's the only reason I can think of is that they're looking to hit that home run, kind of just knock Miami out of the game right there and that play happened on a first and 10 at midfield they just ran the ball twice um with success you had a nine yard carry and then a 13 yard carry from cook and like other than that like he didn't have a great day he had 22 yards on those two carries and 39 on the whole day so if you're gonna ride the hot hand that's the time to do it and it set up a first and 10 at the bills 47 and this is about halfway through the second quarter. You know, they're almost in field goal range. They could take the entire second quarter and kick a field goal and make it 20 to three and go into halftime 20 to three. So that's what I'm talking about when it's clock management, situational awareness. That's a moment where, you know, I, as a fan, I don't need them throwing the ball 50 yards downfield there. Uh, they can just line up on first and 10, run it again, get that clock running. And even if they don't score and the drive ends up puttering, you know, sputtering out, they end up punting. They can take more than a minute 33 off the clock and let the defense play well because the defense was playing fantastic. The defense was playing great. Um, but he gets, Allen gets picked on a deep ball and it gets run back to midfield and then kind of sets up Miami's next field goal. And then I think like then the pressure of the interception sets in and you could kind of see it like they were pressing and they go three and out and so this is something that I've seen over the course of the last month where it's like they go three and out way too much for a, for an offense is this good to go three and out as much as they do is you know it's a little frustrating but again like they have success they win they won seven eight games in a row now so there is positivity to be taken from the play style right the bills are a pass first team uh, and as much as i preach run balance this isn't this isn't a team that i want to see stop throwing the football like you have josh allen you have all the weapons at receiver that you have you have all that speed you have gabe you have brown now you have Diggs. you hit those guys on big plays uh it keeps the defense honest it forces the defense into certain types of coverage i respect that um, and I, I am not the kind of person who wants the Bills to be a run-first, run-dominant team. I just like a little more balance because I feel that the Bills are their best when they are balanced. And you see in this game, they're outside of the Goldilocks zone, which I think is 40% run, 60% pass. I've done the data over the last two years and what I see is that when they run the ball 40% of the time they have more team success they win more comfortably 
Uh, they turn the ball over less. They get sacked less. So even 35-65, I'm like, okay, that's within the range of success for them. And in this game, like you're pushing the envelope at 48 pass plays that you're sending in because uh, that's a run percentage at 24 true runs of only 33%. So they're right outside that window, and you see it. I mean, you know, there's a lot more context to the game than just the numbers, but there's a big enough sample size that I've looked at now where this stuff holds true. The Dolphins do have a strong run defense, actually better than the Bills, barely. Miami ranked fourth when the Bills ranked fifth. They did play a different number of games, but I'm looking at yardage per game. Uh, and in yardage per carry, the Dolphins are uh, better as well. So the Dolphins do have a solid run defense. Their D-line is pretty good. They have good speed on defense. Um, so I can understand thinking that, like, hey, you want to pick your poison. Um, you want to go against a secondary where be you believe that Josh Allen and your receivers have the advantage. I'm 100% into that. Uh, and you saw it in the first quarter, you know, it was 14 nothing, and then they get the ball early second quarter, make it 17 nothing. It's after that where I don't know. They only ran the ball after the field goal three times. Um, they had 11 first half carries. Only three of them came after the interception. So it was like the interception came and then it was like they wanted to just like get back. Like, no, we got to get this one back. And... They, they came out and they tried to run a little bit and they got discouraged, couldn't do it, threw a pick on that one possession after a couple of good runs. Next possession, they ran it once, uh, got sacked, incomplete pass, punt. Uh, next possession, one of three passing for 11 yards, interception on the tipped ball where it was in a really... Beasley was barely open. The ball had to be released a lot sooner, um, and it just kind of got forced into a bad spot. He got hit, ball popped up. It's like, is the interception on Allen? No. Yes and no, because that ball probably shouldn't have gone there. Um, but I understand. And, like, shit happens. As long, as long as he's throwing more touchdowns than interceptions, like, I'm okay with that. Um, but, like, kind of just, like, a stubbornness to, like, not try to run the ball not even get Allen a couple of design runs and just get out of the half when you still were up 17-6 you could have made it 20 to 6 you could have made it 20 to 9 at one point but just you know a little bit of stubbornness with the passing game after starting on the drive where the interception happened they had let's see one two Allen was four of ten from that point from that drive on to close out the half so you're just telling Miami, like, we're going to throw the ball basically every down. And anytime that we have more than five yards to go uh, and it's not first down, we're definitely throwing. So Miami knows that. And I think they were able to just, like, find their wrinkles uh, against the Bills' looks. And that kind of same thing reared its head a little bit. Um in the fourth quarter where the Bills, you know, they had back-to-back -to -back touchdowns to go from trailing by four to being up by 10 uh, in the fourth quarter. And then they get the ball back after Miami scored. 
and they're throwing again. And Allen goes over to get sacked and they punt. So now, you know, three point game. They don't even take a minute off the clock. Um, I just am having trouble understanding why strategically that is of benefit to them. Like, I get that if they put together a long drive and only kick a field goal, Miami still needs a touchdown to win. Um, I understand that maybe they believe that their defense is playing exceptional, which it did, and they're not afraid of the Dolphins scoring, so they're willing to take some chances. Like, I get that totally. Um, But they get the ball up three with just inside 11 minutes left. And the first play of the possession isn't a run to start the clock. And that, to me, is always strange, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, And then they, they were able to do that on the next drive. And the next drive, even though they punted, they took four minutes off the clock. And so that's why I'm confused with the possession before that. They go three plays, minus three yards. They don't even take a minute off the clock. Then they get the ball back. They're still up three. And first play, they run the ball. Don't get much, but the clock is running. And then they punt in six plays, but that took off four minutes. So they only ran three more plays, but they took three more minutes off the clock in a close game at home in the playoffs. And that's just what I want to see a little bit more of is that kind of like situational awareness. And in fairness, when they got the ball back um, the second time while they were still up three in the fourth quarter, there was only eight minutes left in the game. So them taking four minutes off of that was a much more impactful four minutes than if they had taken four minutes off the clock when there was 11 minutes left because the the game would have gone from the 11 minutes to seven minutes. Miami gets the ball. They probably still get another possession in there. Um, So it was much more impactful to take the four minutes off of the clock the second time. But the, I don't know, the stubbornness when it comes to like playing clock management style of football, I get it's like, it's who the Bills are. It's who Ken Dorsey is as the play caller and when your quarterback throws three touchdowns and has 329 net passing yards um, and 339 yards of total offense, I get it. <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to say that what you're doing isn't working because it's not that it's not working. It's situations like, you know, you're up 17 nothing. Miami gets back in it. You go down the field and kick the field goal right before the half. Miami's getting the ball back, so it's going to be a close game. Then your defense comes out, plays great, forces a three and out. And what do you do on the first play right after that? You're you're throwing instead of running the football. And Allen gets sacked, 12 yards, fumble return, touchdown. So, like, it's stuff like that. Like, just run the ball once, like, to start the drive, to start the clock. And then after that, have at it. But, you know, the results are fine. The Bills win. They move on. I'm happy about that. Um, but you know I love the run game. If you listen to this show, you know I love running the football. Um, and for the most part, Motor and Singletary, excuse me, Motor and James Cook combined for 22 carries and 87 yards. Uh, so pretty, pretty solid. Cook only averaged 3.2 per carry, but Motor had 4.8. And as it turns out, at the end of the game, when the game was on the line, they put the ball in Singletary's hands, and he comes up with that big run that gets spotted for the first down. Um, 
even after Cook lost a yard uh, to start that drive, they knew at that point, you know, there's two minutes, 22 left in the game. They're going to run there for sure. So I will I will give Dorsey his credit there for sure. Um, he knew that, like, despite everything that had transpired before that in the game, um, despite potentially missing some opportunities to close the game out much sooner, when the game got into the last eight minutes into its most crucial is when he really focused on running the ball and getting rid of that clock and securing the win. So I'm going to give Dorsey credit. I'm not going to hate on him too much. Um, I really don't hate Ken Dorsey. Um, I think he's a good offensive coordinator. I would, I just like balance. I think if he were to look at his own data, he would see that when they run the ball more, they have success. I could show it to him. Um, but nonetheless, he's up there in the booth. I'm not. And I want him to have success. I don't want them to fire him. I want him to win a Super Bowl for the Bills. So I'm going to cheer for Ken Dorsey. I'm going to support him. Um, I like that he believes that Josh Allen is the way to win football games. Because for the most part, I believe that too. Um, I just think he's got a good running back in Singletary that runs hard, that fights for yardage. He's got a good explosive back in Cook that can make games easier on them as a whole and uh you know that's that's where i'll leave that uh and then i want to talk about the bills defense a little bit because i know i got into um a couple of things about their performance and they did come away with four sacks they had two picks as well kair elam came in when dane jackson got hurt played great came up with a huge interception almost came up with another huge interception but he did come up with a big pass deflection too at the end to knock a ball away from Tyreek Hill and he ended up having let's see only two pass deflections yeah but he had the pick too so give that give him that one Marlowe had a good interception early read the play on the rollout kind of hit himself there uh Tremaine Edmonds in pass coverage had four passes defense Matt Milano had three cornerback quarterback hits eight solo tackles uh, two tackles for loss, two sacks, 10 total tackles. The hit on Skylar Thompson going out of bounds was not a dirty hit. Uh, Boogie Basham had two quarterback hits. Ed Oliver had three. Uh, Shaq Lawson had one. Daquan had one. And in my notes, I, I wrote to myself, the Bills pass rush is getting there. Like They're getting pressure on the quarterback on almost every snap. They looked great in those moments. Where, where's my PDF of the snap count the bills let's see they had 11 quarterbacks hit hits i don't see pressures listed on the nfl's stats but man they give a really nice detailed bit of paperwork here that i don't need to do half of the work i do anymore so uh all i need to do is copy and paste and i'm going to use this in the future someone had told me about it and i was like you know what i remember that someone had said this and I was still manually going through every drive and inputting all of that information. So I'm really glad that uh, I'm not going to have to do that, I don't think, going forward. So I don't see quarterback pressures anyway. Um, but it looked like the Bills were having a really nice day defensively, especially in terms of getting after the quarterback. The seven tackles for a loss I think was huge as well. Like I said, they did not let Miami establish the run game at all, which kept the previous game probably closer than it should have been as well um and they ended up with four sacks and two picks so the bills defense played fantastic what did they give up 200 yards of total offense i think when i looked at it maybe a little bit less 
where are the team stats? There they are. They gave up only, well, they gave up 16 first downs, but they gave up total yards 231. That's it. That's it. And the Bills handed them good field position half the time. So, you know, the fact that the fact that they were able to do that uh, says a lot about the Bills defense. And I think it also says a lot about the synergy between how the offense is playing football on any given day and how the defense plays football on any given day. Because one thing that we saw from the Bills down the stretch uh, in their season as they've won, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and now nine games in a row. Over the course of winning, excuse me, one of those was canceled. That's eight in a row. So over the course of winning these last eight games in a row, it's been a variety of different games. Uh, you know, they got down to Cleveland. Uh, they had a good game with Detroit that they had to, like, scrap for. They beat a New England team with a good defense, held them in check. They had a scrappy kind of defensive game against the Jets. Then they had that kind of shootout in the snow against Miami. Then they got down against Chicago and came back and won that game 35-13. And then they pretty much erased New England in that last game and gave up a, a touchdown late that made it closer than it could have been. But the Bills have won a bunch of different types of games. And I think that's what I'm really liking to see from them is that it doesn't have to be, hey, we're going to play the exact same way every day. We're going to play the uh, to our strengths and not uh, adjust. So I think fluidity is important. I think balance is important. I always preach balance. I did this last year with Dable. I do it here with Dorsey as well. I just want to see balance, and they're pretty close. Like, say they run the ball. If you were to count quarterback scrambles as runs, they'd probably be at 35%, and they'd be right in that zone. But to me, quarterback scrambles are on pass plays. That goes under net pass yards for me. Um, I know technically it gets scored in the box score as rushing yards, and with some good reason, but again, I look at the numbers slightly differently than everybody else because um, I don't ever hear anybody talking about um, this so much specifically I know McDermott was always a proponent of balance last year and that's kind of where they got into it um, where rumors were coming that him and Dable weren't getting along was uh, based on that maybe maybe not even true but nonetheless the Bills win and I'm celebrating um what else? As it turns out, not much. The Bills get the Bengals next week in Orchard Park. This is the game I wanted. This is the game to prove to me who really is the best team in the AFC. I believe it's the Bills. I believe that they're going to find a way to win that game. Uh, I think... If they look at the Bengals game against the Ravens, there's a lot of positives to be taken away from that game. And that game was probably too close for the Bengals' comfort as well. And that was with Tyler Huntley, who very easily could have tied the game there late and just one bounce, momentum swing. And that was it. So I'm glad that one way or the other we finally get to see this game. And... It's a good prove-it game for both sides. So it's going to be hard-fought. Uh, winner of that game probably goes to the Super Bowl. So that's what I'm looking at. And that's it. That's all I got. I'm going to go see a movie. 
you might hate me for being critical, but I am a fan, and I'm giving praise where it belongs. I'm giving criticism where it belongs. So keep that in mind. But I am a fan. I am happy that the Bills won. I'm happy that they get to have this opportunity against the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. Because to me, it's like, you know, a title fight in some ways. Like, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And until the Bengals uh, get eliminated, they're still the defending AFC champs. So I want the Bills to go through them. I've been wanting this for two seasons. So it's finally time. We're going to get it. And I'm going to be plugged in, probably having an aneurysm again. But... I'm, I'm confident. I know that the Bills have been through so much. They faced adversity. They just faced adversity in this game against the Dolphins. I think more than uh, the Bengals faced. So if there's any team that's battle-tested for all the varying types of adversity that go into competitive sports, it is the Buffalo Bills. They're playing for a lot, and I think that they're going to find a way to win. I think it'll be a good game, though. So until next week. Take care, be well, stay safe, enjoy the win, enjoy the smack talk for the next week between the fan bases, Um, friendly, competitive, probably a little chippy as well, but enjoy yourselves, enjoy being able to see the Bills in the playoffs at this stage again in a meaningful game, because I went through a lot of years where that was not the case, so yeah, have fun everybody. Uh, Bills Mafia, love you guys. Go Bills. Thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help, so if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way too. This show is an extension of theshice.com, and you can contact me at info at theshice.com or at Scheist Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills. Bills.